What is up? Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Doc Jock with Dr. Mitch Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Welcome inside Studio 34. Doc. And I'm Mitch Roslin. Thank you. It's great to be here, Greg. You're, uh, it's, uh, this is awesome. Very excited. The very first edition of, of Doc Jock. Uh, what is this show going to be about so everybody knows? Well, you, you know, we originally started talking uh, with the management of fantasy, and we were going to get doctors together, and we are going to talk a lot about medical injuries. And we realized that there's so many things where my world as a high-risk surgeon taking care of patients is kind of has some similarities to sports and gives us a, a very different take, especially with everything going to data and analytics sure. and pretty much what, what do we do you know, in, in, in medicine is we're interpreting data and trying to figure out whether that data is meaningful to you when, you know, when having to make decisions and trying to look behind you know, the, the just final conclusion or, or, or the three-second three sound bite. Yeah, absolutely. I think today in sports in general, right, it's all about data. The more, the more you get into it, the less older general managers and older ex-players are taking over and guys that graduated from MIT, guys that graduated from Harvard are these new general managers and new presidents. And that's what made what the Giants did this past offseason so befuddling because everybody's going new school Except them. They bring in an old, rugged scout to be the new general manager, to run the, the football department. And then as everybody on Twitter, every analyst and expert on Twitter, and every caller everywhere says, you got to take the quarterback. you got to build for the future. All these teams win with a quarterback that doesn't cost anything, and you build around that. They took perhaps the most devalued position in the draft at number two overall in Saquon Barkley. And they said, hey, running backs aren't devalued. They're still important. And here the Giants sit now at 0-2. Well, yeah, but there's a limitation to data, you know, as well, or the analytics, and that they can't, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought called behavioral economics. Great book called Predictably Irrational, okay? And economic theory always was that, Things were going to revert to the mean, and everything was going to be rational, supply and demand. And then you realize that humans aren't rational, and you have to realize there are things that the data won't show. But when you get to the giants, I, I, I think that that's a, a different story in you know taking the quarterback. I think Barkley may be a generational-type player if he stays healthy, but th that's, that's one thing. But they're not watching what's happening in the NFL you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, here's a key piece of data that people aren't tracking. It's called the broken play that goes for a long yardage. And you don't necessarily have to be a running quarterback, um, whether it's, you know, Ben Roethlisberger who gets out of a tackle, you know, obviously Carson Wentz. I mean, the Giants seem to have lost on, you know, significantly because of two bootlegs. Bortles goes for 40 yards. You know, Dak Prescott goes on two bootlegs last night. And you, then you look at the Giants' offense, you know, where you think that you have, you, you have uh, Barkley out there, you have Beckham out there, you have the tight end Ingram, who's the fastest tight end in the world, and you figure they can't take everything away, and it looks like there's absolutely nothing. And, and it seems that the Giants, A, don't have escapability, and B, they can't run the bootleg option, and you're playing with half a deck at the present time. And I'm one of the biggest Eli Manning fans. The Giants won four Super Bowls in my life. When I was growing up watching like uh, them fumble under John McVay, Sean McVay's, uh, I think, grandfather, actually. It's not even his, his dad. You were watching the Giants lose to the Eagles. I, I don't think any Giant fan ever thought they were going to ever win a Super Bowl. Well, well, the, well, the fact is, yes, Eli's limitations are clear, and they have been clear for a long time. At 37 years old, he's not getting faster. He's not getting younger. And in today's NFL, you're absolutely right. You need that escapability to just lengthen a play. With the Giants' offensive line being as brutal as it is, that escapability becomes more important. And you could look at a Sam Darnold. I'm not saying Sam Darnold's Tyrod Taylor or Russell Wilson or anything like that, but he can move. Just like Mitchell Trubisky can move. Just like Carson Wentz, who you mentioned, can move. All of these guys that are coming out are your prototypical po pocket passers, for sure. They're not Robert Griffin III out there. But they can move, and they can extend a play. Nobody does it like Aaron Rodgers, and... I'm not saying Eli Manning has to be Aaron Rodgers, but with that line, he has to be able to move. The problem is, if you watch the game on Sunday night, he moved just, just backwards and then down. But you see, again, this, this is a different thing than 
you know, and, and I'm a few years older than you. When I grew up, you know, you knew the Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Rams, Minnesota Vikings, Oakland Raiders, Pittsburgh Steelers, Miami Dolphins were going to be in the playoffs. You know, then you have, have now you have a salary cap, you have more balance, and you can go from worst to first much sure. quicker. So it's a different league. So each of these teams are flawed. And that's why when you pay somebody so much money, they have to cover up for your weaknesses. I actually think Eli can still throw the ball. My guess is, you know, I have to believe Gettleman. I'm not sitting there looking at film, nor would I know how to, you know, look at film and make sure he's going to the right receiver. But when Gettleman broke him down, I'm sure based on them, whatever metrics they follow, he is. But This is the problem. They're not using metrics. Dave Gettleman has said that, that, that stats are for losers, essentially. And if you watch Eli Manning, I'm not a scout either, obviously. But you watch Eli Manning in the first game where he had some time. He missed Odell Beckham over oh. and over and over. That's a problem of a quarterback that is not nearly what he was. I, you can say that you don't believe Eli is done. I'm well, not in not that camp. it's not a question of done. I think it's, it's that when you pay somebody in the $25, 22000000 million, sure. paying them 15% of your cap, this is, this is sheer probability. They have to cover up your weaknesses. Everybody's going to have weaknesses. So if you're going to have a wide receiver like Beckham and you're going to pay him the money that they paid him, you're not going to have the best offensive line in football, even though they overpaid for Soldier, but that's a different story. Yeah, of course. Uh, over thing. You're going to have to have flaws. You're going to have to have flaws. Let me just tell you, the, the Cowboys played last night with a backup center. Their, 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 their first center has Guillaume Bray syndrome, which is probably one of the few people who can explain what that is. Okay? And, and, and they're playing with two backup linemen. Okay? Their wide receivers, honestly, you know. Worse than the NFL. Yeah, yeah at least on paper. And, and, and you know what? Okay, and Prescott uh, certainly didn't light the world on fire, but you know what? They can run the bootleg. Okay, they get the one big play, and, and that's that. That you know that that's the game. The Giants, everything has to work for it to be done. And you know what? In today's NFL, there's just not enough plays where it works. So something's going to break down. Somebody's got to have to make a play. So I completely agree with all of that. And, and the problem is the Giants find themselves in complete limbo, right? You go out and you pay Odell Beckham. You draft Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley, and all of these weapons are in their prime. They're ready to go. The problem is you, don't, you have a quarterback that's past his prime, and if you drafted a quarterback, he's before his prime. And it's like, what do you do? And you try to put Band-Aids on, as you said, paying all of these guys in free agencies, Nate Solder, who's not, is making way more than he should be for his skill level at that particular position. And you can Band-Aid and Band-Aid and Band-Aid, at some point, the Giants are going to rip the Band-Aid off and totally revamp this thing to get up to today's speed in the NFL because you're absolutely right. They're not there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that we're looking at, you know, we're looking at the talk coming sooner. They're going to draft the quarterback next year. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I mean, but, you know, the interesting thing about the quarterback thing is, and you hit on it when you were saying it, is it's, you, you know, one of the arguments that I didn't think was valid last year was the idea, and, and, and I think Sam Donald is a tremendous kid and going to be a tremendous player. I think Josh Rosen has a lot of potential. But the people were saying that Sam Donald could be your quarterback for 15, 16 years. That's true. But in today's NFL, the key thing is for them to play like a $20 million quarterback when you're only playing them 6 or $7 million. 100%. Okay? And I think people are missing that point. Now, Matthew Stafford has had a good NFL career. But the question is... And this is the question when you gave him $25 million. It, can he cover those deficiencies? And you're seeing in the Lions he can't, okay? And, and, and I guess that's going to be really the question that we're going to ask about Russell Wilson starting tonight. No question about it. And the interesting thing is all of these quarterbacks now, and, and you, you, like I said, hit the nail on the head because a guy like Aaron Rodgers can pick up other people, players' deficiencies. Has he won a Super Bowl because of it? No, because when they won the Super Bowl, it was much different than the contracts. When he's the highest-paid player in the NFL, or Stafford's the highest-paid player in the NFL, or Ryan, or Cousins, or whatever, it's very, very tough to be able to build the rest of the team. Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, same thing. You look at today's NFL. Arguably, right now, the best team in the NFL is the Rams. Why? Jared Goff is on that rookie deal. They could load up on these veterans and these skill position players this year and next year, and that's why they were out to trade for Khalil Mack right now, because they could afford to. And then in a year or two, when they have to start extending these guys, extending a girly, um, which they did, extending Aaron Donald, but all this goes into effect in a year or two. Right now, because of Jared Goff, because of what he makes, he's not $20 million. It's $7 million. They're the new Seahawks. They're the new Seahawks, exactly. They're, the They're following Seahawks. the model. 
hundred percent. They're the new Seahawks, and that's really where it becomes. Uh, you know, it's going to become an interesting thing, and that's why I said the point about the fifteen-year quarterback, because okay, Jets played Miami. Miami won last year. Do you want to be committing to Ryan Tannehill right. fifteen percent of your salary cap? You know, and this is no knock against him, but who really is worth that much of your salary cap? You know, it, it's also been interesting, and, and I think. You know, the Rams are developing this like like that, you know, they become like the hot place where everyone wants to go. And, and sometimes that plays into the NFL because you get the veteran, you know, like like New England constantly had people in the last three years. Junior Seau, perfect example, comes to my mind that go up there, pay for, you know, a, you know, going and they're not a big contract, and they become your supplemental players because everyone thinks they go up to New England, they win a championship in you know, as, as today's news would tell us, because we, we segue into Josh Gordon. We'll get there in a moment. This is Doc Jock, Mitch Roslin, Greg Sussman with you. And we're talking about these teams that are, that are building around a, a cheaper quarterback and becoming a destination. And that brings us to Cleveland, right? Where Cleveland was bad for so long. And, and Sashi Brown and Paul D. Podesta, they tried to start the process that we saw with the Sixers with the Browns. And they un- unleashed everybody, every bad contract they got rid of. And they paid for... Brock Osweiler to get more picks. And they just stuffed with picks and stuffed with picks. And much like you had with Sam Hinkie and the Philadelphia 76ers, he couldn't see the job out. And just like that happened to Sashi Brown, he couldn't see the job through. They bring in John Dorsey, who fills that cap space with a Jarvis Landry, with a Tyrod Taylor. And now the, the talent on paper is better because you're not paying all that much for a quarterback because they have so much space and they had so many draft picks. But on some level... It's still the same Cleveland Browns who, because of a kicker, tie the first game, lose the second game. And that brings us to the enigma that is Josh Gordon, right? Who is arguably one of, if not the, most talented wide receivers in the NFL. But because of his addiction issues and other issues, uh, he hasn't been able to play a full season in five, six years. Coming into this year, it was supposed to be different. He was clean. He was sober. It was awesome. He doesn't come to training camp on time because he's working on those issues. All good. Everyone says no big deal. Comes back before the third preseason game. Hurts his hamstring because he wasn't in shape, ready to rock. All good. Still time to prepare for the regular season. Regular season comes. We're not starting him. We, we, we can't. He's not ready. The, the, the competitive side takes over. There's Josh Gordon play, starting and basically playing every snap. And then week two, we're getting him more involved. We're ready to rock with Josh Gordon. It breaks on Saturday night. We're done. Of course, all of the experts, quote-unquote, all the fans think, oh, no, what did he do? Did he fail a drug test? Did he have a sip of alcohol? What happened? Well, the rumor comes out, he strained an already hurt hamstring in a photo shoot shop in a photo shoot, excuse me, on Friday. Then is too embarrassed to come tell the team until Saturday, so he shows up late. That bothers the entire Browns organization who says, we're done. So, of course, they realize, well, I'm not going to release him because we can get something for him. They said we're trading him on Monday. Monday comes, and everyone's like, oh, do you take a shot on Josh Gordon? Do you take a shot on Josh Gordon? I don't know. I don't know. Well, then it's the Patriots to take the shot on Josh Gordon, and everyone's like, this is brilliant. It's Randy Moss 2.0. Doc, where are you on the Josh Gordon saga? Number one, I, I, I feel really, you know, Bad and sympathetic for Josh Gordon. And I think that you hit on something really, 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 really important when you said he didn't want to go tell the, the team, okay? So people have got to get rid of the thing that he's trying to hurt himself. He doesn't have discipline. He's got a serious condition, okay? And usually when people have such a condition, the last thing they want to do is disappoint other people who especially, you know, did that. So, you know, again, unless he matures because of father time, and, you know, you and I know people when we went to college who were 18 to 20 or high school with, and we thought they'd be in penitentiaries, and they calm down. Males do calm down as they they go over. Even the craziest person in your high school seems to calm down and eventually get married and have a family, (laughs) you know, something like that. Do I think that Bill Belichick as the secret sauce. I think New England has like the highest opiate epidemic. And, you know, if he really could solve that type of issue, and please don't, I don't mean Josh Gordon's been addicted to, to opiates because I have no clue and, and stuff like that. But New England just wants a win, okay? They just want to win. They found out their receivers are, are, are terrible. 
and they just hope that he can show up for 10 games, but his chance of relapse, I mean, he's got a serious medical, medical, medical condition. You know, if it's taken this long, unless he's maturing out and things like that, it's a serious, serious medical condition. But I think we, we, we should be some sympathetic. I think it does go, what you really said is, we're not starting him, we are starting him. I, I, you know, I think Cleveland has talent, okay? I, I, I think that they just don't know where they're out as, as a franchise. I'm not sure that Hugh Jackson is the right general um, in that. And that's why you're getting so many mixed messages. I also can't, you know, going back to what we talked about with the Giants, I can't understand how they played the draft. I, I really, I mean, I can't understand how they didn't come out of this draft with Barkley and a quarterback. And, and one of the things is, I really don't know, but I, this early, I can't imagine there's a big, you know, Baker Mayfield's upside's better than, than Donnell's. You know, I can't imagine they couldn't have figured out, you know, truly, whether the Giants should have taken Barkley or not, as we discussed, a different conversation. But Barkley is the best college player I've seen since Bo Jackson, okay? And Bo Jackson might have been a more powerful runner. Last night, you know, to get his 100 yards, I thought Barkley played unbelievably well. I think he broke every single tackle in the world. Well, I don't think the question for the Giants is Barkley, right? I think for the Browns, they didn't want to – Mayfield's their guy. We're not scouts, right? We're not sitting with John Dorsey. If Mayfield's his guy, you go out and get your guy. And just that's what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley. That was their guy. They go out and get their guy. But going back to Josh Gordon, going back to Gordon, I think that – the to me what you hit on most that spoke to me was Hugh Jackson right like that organization and that head coach they have been let down repeatedly by Josh Gordon and someone that has has that past as you said one of the things they fear most is letting other people down and right. and relapsing in that way not not with alcohol and drugs but relapsing in, oh my god I let somebody down again and, and Hugh Jackson maybe isn't the right general for that team and and certainly that situation. Bill Belichick may not be a miracle worker that can solve the opioid crisis in New England and in, the, in this country, but he's done a really nice job within his team, for the most part, of taking these malcontents and problem childs, for whatever reason, and getting their stuff together enough to win. It doesn't always work. Aaron Hernandez is a prime example of that. Right. But with a guy like Randy Moss, who everyone's talking about today, a guy like well, a Randy Talib, Moss, Randy Moss, different issues. Very much so. Very, okay. Very much so. Rand, you know, that's a different story. So is Akeem Talib. So okay. is Albert Hainsworth. A okay, lot of those, these guys are. Those are different issues. Those were, you know, like we talk about more in basketball, the me's rather than the we's. Sure. Okay. And, 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 and honestly, when you, you, know, you know, when you can hold up five rings, okay, it's very easy to say me versus we. That's a very sure. different thing than, than, than mental illness. Randy Moss's issues, and Randy Moss, by the way, he was a great player in, 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 in Minnesota. Okay? Of course. An unbelievable teammate. Hall of Famer. Okay? He was an unbelievable player at Marshall. Okay? He had no issues like Josh Gordon. Oh, that's, it, not, that's, not, that's not true. In, in Marshall, he, he had, the reason he fell in drafts is because of drug issues, yeah. to be fair. But he not the same the same degree. No, no, it of course more, not. It was more of Randy Moss was a me, not a we. I agree. I, I think that that would, or at least that was that. my perception. I, I agree with that. It looked like he was done in Oakland. It was a losing team. He wasn't interested. And he goes to Bill Belichick. You're absolutely right. Totally agree. And, and and you know that going back to Giants, probably you know one of the greatest. You know, sure. It's it's why we love sports. But yeah. but what I think Belichick does well. Is that, right? Like, turning the me guys into we guys. I agree. But I think what he does do well, for anybody there, and I, I've spoken to people that play for the Patriots, that there's just this system in place. Mm -hmm. And will that system be supportive enough and strong enough for Josh Gordon? I don't think you and I can answer that question. I don't think anybody can. Correct. But obviously, Bill Belichick believes it's worth a fifth-round gamble to think it can. And that's ultimately or, what or they're paying. Bill, Bill Belichick knows that, you know what? I, I really want to win. Sure. And, and that's what my job is to win. Sure. And, 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 and you know what? We're probably not going to win, you know, unless we have some speed after he traded Brandon Cooks. Sure. And you know what? You can't find Josh Gordon on the waiver wire, just like the Giants can't find a right tackle on the waiver wire. Absolutely, absolutely not. Um, before we move on, I do want to ask your 
kind of personal opinion on this because you deal with, in, in your real job, you deal with a lot of people that have their own issues, right? Their own issues of letting people down because of weight potentially and, and not being able to stick to a diet or uh, stick to working out, for instance. How do you see that correlation between what you do and, and the Josh Gordon situation? Well, I, I think they're, they're, they're different. I mean, I think that people try to clump addictions, and I think it's a very good question. I think one of the things that I, I will say is that it's much easier to prevent obesity than treat obesity, and I think we have to get past thinking that obesity is an absence of willpower. It's not a, a, a thing of self-choice. I think that the, the whole ideal of calories in, calories out is BS. It assumes all calories are, are, are created the same. To give you an analogy about calories in, calories out, the calorie is the amount of food that something has on the outside, the amount of heat that it contributes, okay? It would be like saying a gallon of gas will get the same miles per gallon. In every car. In every car. Right. And because it doesn't take into account how people handle it and, and what happens. And then it's also once you turn on certain genetic predisposition, you become very resistant to weight loss. So we're getting into a, a real conversation about how we really need to teach people how to eat properly and what we keep on doing, and we keep on making the same mistake, is we try to treat it at the obesity level. And once you've shown your genetic predisposition, it's really, really hard to treat, or I wouldn't have a job. There you go. That's, that's Dr. Mitch right there. How about, how about that insight? We're talking with Dr. Mitch Roslin. He is the host of Doc Jock here on the Fantasy Sports Network. And I want to go from drug and, and, and alcohol issues um, to another serious issue in our country, and that is, of course, uh, me too, in a way, and domestic violence and the scandal that has kind of rocked Ohio State. And to me, Urban Myers handled this wrong every step of the way. Every comment he has made, every statement he has put out has been wrong. And then every apology to the said statement has been even more wrong. How does he keep getting this wrong? Because he's reluctant, so reluctant to, to, to change, Okay. When I, went, when I was training in surgery, okay, MASH was a few years earlier. Right. Okay, the, the idea of a surgeon was, you know, Hawkeye Pierce. Okay, the surgeon was the captain of the ship. Yeah. Okay, if, if, if surgeons weren't to some extent bad boys, that was permissible, okay? And, you, you know, instruments were thrown and stuff like that. Fast forward to today. We realize how stupid that bravado is, okay? You know, it, it, where I work at Northwell, okay, if our behavior is not exemplary, just like everything else, it doesn't make a difference if I did 7,000 cases, okay? There's a decorum. And we also realize that, you know, the way you present, prevent mistakes is all hands on deck, okay? No matter what your level of experience, there could be a med student that recognizes and can protect the patient. And if you're all knowing, and, and this was shown like in, in air, airline travels, that, that, that when co-pilots felt like they couldn't second-guess the pilot, it made flying a much more dangerous experience. And we've taken the same things in, 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 in medicine and in surgery and, you know, decorum, behavior. We're in a different time, and, 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 and that's just the way it is, okay? Right now, you know, Urban Meyer keeps, you know, just doesn't realize that, you know, when he became a coach, it's like you cared about the issues on the field, Okay, what was in your private life was your private life, and it wasn't really discussed. And now what we realized is maybe that condoned it. And I think that if he would stand in front of a microphone and said, you know something, I really never thought these were the issues that a head coach would be dealing with. When I first came into coaching, we believed that, you know, this was your private life and there was a distance. Now we've realized that potentially some of the behavior that we're potentiating may be very, very harmful, and it's time to change. And I didn't address the situation at that particular time because I didn't think it was my situation to address, and now I realize something different. I would feel much differently. Tell me that, you know, the rules have changed and you didn't realize they were changing. Sure. So well, I, I understand what you're saying, the head coach getting into that spot. We talked about generals a moment ago with Hugh Jackson and Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the NFL, it's on top of everything. Everything on his staff, you know he knows about. From Alex Guerrero to the deflating of the balls, he knows everything. Hugh Jackson doesn't. That makes him a poor general. Urban Meyer's been a very successful 
College Urban football Meyer, coach. When he tells me, okay, first of all, when he stands up there and tells me he's got the happiest marriage in the world. Sure. Okay. And then he tells me that his wife had videos and, and this and that. It, it, it falls based on, on the fact. Every, sing, every single time. It, it, you know, and you know what? I can understand what happened. And I'm not trying to say it's right. His allegiance was to Earl Bruce's grandson. Okay. And that's the way when he grew up, men functioned. And that's, and that's completely fine. But literally today. Or over the weekend, the interview happened, and he's asked about it today, this weekend, month after we've dealt with all of this. And he's asked, do you believe that Courtney Smith was a victim of domestic violence? And he can't be like, yes, it was horrible. I feel terrible for her. It's, you know, the facts are what they are. That's unacceptable. That's it, it, unac- there's no remorse. That's horrible. It, 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 it's, it's, it's like he hasn't, he hasn't wanted to change. Correct. He does not. Even now. He, he wants to throw the instruments in the operating room, even though they right. told him. They've told him to change. You know, right. It's like I'm, I'm still the heart surgeon. I'm still the transplant Correct. surgeon. They don't realize that, you know, you know we've gone through a time, okay, and, and it's an adjustment for us all, okay, where, where when you were in charge and you were the general, you had a lot of people working for you, okay? Sure. Now, when you're in charge, you're working for a lot of people. Sure. Okay, and, 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 and those expectations have changed. And that means you have to represent those other people, and it's very, very different. And the problem is, and this actually goes back to Larry Nasser too, at, at Michigan State, when you are supported, or blindly, Joe Paterno and, and Sandusky as well, when you're supported in this way because of winning and because of people just allowing this to happen by turning a blind eye repeatedly, and it's just like... All right, well, you're winning. All right. Again, don't want to justify anything about Joe Paterno at all. But I have a strange thing about Joe Paterno. I think there was so much of a generation gap. that Not not between him and Sandusky. Not between him and Sandusky, but him and the world that he just, I think there was a part of him that didn't believe it was true because it was such a a throwback. Okay. I mean, I I, 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 I think that, you know, and this, this may be, you know, why we do have mandatory retirement ages and right. stuff like that. I, I, I just, I just. So I, I don't, dis- I don't, I know what you're saying. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. I mean, you but, know, but what I'm, I, what I'm pointing out is that like a, a Joe Paterno, a Nick Saban, an Urban Meyer, a Rick Pitino, they believe they're on this pedestal that they cannot be touched. And, and maybe Paterno is not the best example because you're right. He is older and he was just like, what the hell's going on? But these, but these other guys, they know. And, and, and the fact that you have enough sycophants at Ohio State or at Alabama or at Louisville that will defend them to the end of time is very scary. You know, I saw Paterno differently. I saw Paterno as somebody that, like, moved forward in football, but in every other part of his life thought it was the 1950s, right. living in the same house. Sure. And, and I, I could believe that when he got told this thing, it was so far out of his realm. Right. You know, almost like, you, you, you know, that, that, that there was some... Some, some, some degree, and again, no, no justification. What I find funny is the NCAA getting so in, 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 in involved in, in that, which was really, honestly, not an NCAA issue. Nope. It, was, it was just grandstanding. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and the one irony that I, that I have to point out, okay, and this just tells you how the world has changed, okay, which is Urban Meyer, you know, again, thinks it's a private issue, Right. And, and, and just as handled it badly, ranked over the coals. Right. Whereas we look at the FBI investigation in basketball, Bruce Pearl, okay, you talk about generals knowing everything, okay, we're saying that, you know, we've created a stand and Urban Meyer should, should know what's going on in his assistant coaches. And, yep. you know, we know he enabled and, and, and things like that. But, you know, Chuck Pearson gets indicted and, and a bunch of coaches get indicted. And I think half of these guys have gotten raises, you know. If you either gone to jail or you, you, you go to jail and I'll take the race. Okay. That's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really amazing. You're trying to tell me, okay, and, 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 and I know many people in the college basketball world and, you know, the kind of transfer of boosters to play players in, in the AAU system has gone on for years. And there are, you know, some clean programs. and some, There is just zero chance that the head coach doesn't know. I zero. I agree. Okay. And, and the question is, is, do we care? It seems like, you know, do we care 
or we don't care. So, I, I have so, no idea. So I don't think it's a black and white issue, right? Do I care that coaches are giving money to kids? Not really, because it's, it's, it's happened for 50 years, right? What, I don't care where you're funneling it, through the shoe companies, through agents, through friends of the family, through hiring them at some company that you're a part of, whatever. I don't really care about that. In all honesty, that's me. Do I care about what Urban Meyer is dealing with at Ohio State and how he's handled that? Yeah, that, that, that one hits a little closer to home for me personally. I think each issue is a little bit different. Right. So, But that's really, really interesting, okay? Because you just said it right, and that is 2018, and that's what Correct. we care about. Correct. In 2018, you just hear it, but it's really, really strange. But the NCAA's charter is to make sure that the sports is, 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 is fair. So that if I'm a university of Virginia, and I'm just picking Virginia sure, yeah, out, yeah. And, and I'm playing it fair, if you are somewhere else, you're also playing it fair. And everybody's abandoned that re- responsibility. And maybe we have to realize that we can't make it fair, that these, you know, college basketball is a billion-dollar, multi-billion, especially basketball. Because the truth of the matter is the football programs, because of the bowl system, they keep their pay. But what funds... Every single thing for NCAA. My son's an NCAA Division three athlete, which funds every single thing for the NCAA is, the, is, is March Madness. Well, let me, ask, let me ask this. It's the obvious questions, the obvious follow-up to all of this when it comes to the college basketball and the FBI and the coaches and whatnot. Do you believe players should be paid? It, it, I, I think that they, the, if we could come up with it, we should pay Division one college basketball players and Division one college football players. I agree. I agree. You know, and, I, and I think it's, you know, the issues, you get into a lot of different issues. Title IX being a great thing. Yep. Okay. And, and you know, again, I told you, my son's an NCAA d- athlete. D- Division three athlete. Now, I don't think my son needs to get paid. I agree. Okay. No offense to your son. No, no, no <laughs> great offense to my son. You may be listening and say, God damn, what is the hell? What are you doing? What the hell are you saying out here? <laughs> but, you know. And, and, but then you get into the real question is, where do you draw that line? Should somebody who's playing football for Davidson get paid? You know, it, 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 it's kind of an, an, interesting, right. an interesting thing. But it, it seems weird that college coaches, some of whom are really good friends, great people, are making millions of dollars. The schools are right. making millions of, of, of dollars. And the kids can't even, you know... It's it, going back to Ohio State, get a tattoo. Right. And, and, that, and that's exactly right. Um, you're having, at the time, um, Fad Mata, you're having Jim Tressel make millions of dollars, and these kids can't get but a free that tattoo. That doesn't justify leaders. No. Okay. That no, doesn't, doesn't justify leaders of men who are making millions of dollars. Sure. And, and you know what's really interesting, okay? And this just tells you how anemic. So. The reason the FBI story was, was such a big story is because they you know, were looking somewhere else and they caught these people on a wiretap. And that's what really caught them by surprise because they know that the NCAA has no subpoena power, can't investigate, and that's why they were so cavalier. Okay? So you've got to ask yourself, okay, you know, there are several ways to go. One may be, okay, you know, like the honest program, like Navy had or many schools have, where you sign an honest program – Convicted the honest program. If there's any sort of thing, you're out. You know, something, something, something like that. You know, if, if there's even the specter of it. But it seems really strange that they can't enforce their own rules at the present time. Completely and you agree. Can get a, you can get a raise. Com- completely agree. And you talk about raises and you talk about money. And, and it got me thinking, relatively unrelated, but like it got me thinking that what sport makes the most guaranteed money? And the answer is not the NFL. And it's not college football or college basketball, three of the most watched sports in our country. Not the NBA. It's certainly a sport that's on the rise. It's Major League Baseball. Right. right? You have guys that are making hundreds of millions of dollars. And their sport, some would say, is dying. I find it incredibly interesting that football players will get concussed on a weekly basis. That's, that literally lives are on the line on Every play, while baseball players go out there and some are in shape like I am, 
are making hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed. Why is it like this? Probability and numbers. Okay? Numbers. The same thing's true in, 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 in basketball. We spent the first part of this conversation talking about our really elite football players. Yeah. But the difference between the 20th and 50th guy on a roster and the guy who's looking for a job. I mean, let's go back to last year sure. when, the, when the strike team for the Washington Redskins got uh, a ring. And there are, because of the amount of people on a roster, and, you know, again, hockey and football, you have less, once you get past your elite stars, right. you probably have less of a talent difference than you do Right, in the NBA. More coaching, so, probably, so, sure. So you go on to an NBA team, the 10th player, you know, I mean, the guy is strong, fast, and an unbelievable yeah. talent. I mean, right. especially now that it's become an international game. Right. Okay. And, you know, in even as great a player as Kevin Durant is, up until this year, there's only one player that we could put on any team and make them more than a 500 team. I've often said that if you took the Knicks roster, the 10 guys on the Knicks. Right and you traded all 10 of the guys to Cleveland, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? And you put LeBron on the Knicks, okay? Knicks would have been won, won, won 45 games last year. Sure. Okay? They're, the difference between him, and then you get the clump together, and that's still way above the rest of the world. You get into football players. I mean, you think there's a huge gap between Eric Flowers and somebody who's on the waiver wire? You think there's a, a huge gap between John Greco and somebody on the waiver wire? So what happened is... When they actually had a work a- 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 action, they couldn't support their own picket line. And then you also go into the fact that their, their ability to make money was very, very short. So the thought process was they could be more easily replaced. Now, I think we're reaching a very, 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 very different time. And I think we're going to see a really volatile negotiation because of this coming up, especially because you now can't hit high for obvious reasons. You really can't look hit low like the Marquise Lee type thing. And that's what really is going to freak player, players out. I think the Marquise Lee injury is going to be a bellwether and things like that, and potentially the way Beckham got hurt last year, you know, I for, think, I think for, that for the, guaranteed contracts. I, and that's it. That's exactly what I was going to say. The guaranteed contracts, which Kirk Cousins started and Aaron Rodgers extended, it's, it has begun with the NFL. And I think this negotiation, as you said, for the next salary cap in about three years from now or so, it is going to be incredibly, incredibly interesting. And they tell players all the time, save your money because we need to dig in. And you're right. At some point, these replacement-level players need money. They, 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 need, they need a job. They need a paycheck. Sure, Aaron Rodgers and, and can sit out. What? But these other, John Greco can't. Yeah, you, you know what? We, we read about Beckham in the NFL. You know, the average football player doesn't make that much money, okay? Comparatively. Well, even, you know, here's the story. That you remember who, who uh, John Urschel was? The, sure. The, the lineman that um, is now at MIT. Yes. Okay? At his max, he was making about $1.4 million. He calculated the numbers out, mm-hmm. you know, looking at the fact that you're talking about a three-year career and, and things, like, oh, right. th- 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 things like that. Yep. And as an offensive lineman, the wear and tear. And, and, and now, again, perception, okay, yes, if you compare it to certain working-class kid, people, a lot of these people are extremely bright and graduating from top academic schools. Certainly. And, and thing, 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 things like that. So I, I, I think you're going to see... You know, very, you know, interesting negotiation. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Football has been, is, you know, I never played football. I really didn't want my kids playing football. My Jewish parents didn't want me playing football when I was growing up. Um, and one of the things that I found was really strange was everybody paying attention and forgetting the risk. Because I remember when I was a kid, Daryl Stingley. I mean, that was one of the most horrific things that I, I, I've ever seen. And 
you know, in, people talk about, you know, Jack Tatum and, and thing, things like that. So we've always known the dangers of football, maybe not the CTE type thing, but certainly the, 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 the dangers of, of football and CTE is a thing that we can spend a lot on. But when a long time ago there were a lot of, you know, the immigrants always were your boxes, the Jewish and uh, Irish people when they came over with your boxes. Then it went over to African-Americans, and now it's in mainly Latin Americans. And it's interesting when you listen to somebody uh, like uh, Dominic Foxworthy, you, you know, who, who's gone back to Harvard and MBA and say that I'm really glad I played football, exposed me to things, but I don't want my five-year-old to play football. That's a worrisome thing for the NFL. It's extremely worrisome, and that's why you look at the NBA and their soaring popularity, and it may be more sustainable, certainly, uh, with their ability in the digital world, right? When you think of the NBA, everything's, in, everything's now, right? You want everything now. And that's why the NFL red zone is so huge, because you're seeing it now. You're not seeing a highlight five hours later. You're seeing it right now. With the NBA, the Instagram, the House of Highlights Instagram is impeccable. The work that we do, in all honesty, with the Fantasy Sports Network, getting you ready for daily fantasy stuff, Right now, it, it, it's, it's all right there at your fingertips, and they've done an incredible job in the digital space. I think the NFL has done an admirable job, but not the job the NBA has done. So I said the NBA is rising, and we agree that the football probably in a bit of trouble given all of their, the CTE and, and the risks that are involved. And then you bring up Major League Baseball, where we just said they're making more money than any professional sport. These athletes are making more money guaranteed than anybody and yet, nobody's watching it. And if you ask people, if you go, what crosses over, okay? And this is really interesting, okay? Probably, when I was growing up, the most popular athlete in the world, Muhammad Ali. Sure. Okay? Of course. If I asked you who's the heavyweight champion of the world, you and I have just talked sports for an hour. We yep. both, we'd both, we'd both look like stunned, you know, the stunned ox expression. We'd have right. no, no clue. Sure. In the world. Used to be that's the most famous man. Absolutely. Mo- most famous man in the world, Okay. You know, growing up, biggest sports hero in New York was Tom Seaver, probably, and then maybe Willis Reed. Now, honestly, I, I, if I took a poll and I asked people who's the most recognizable baseball player, and Aaron Judge has come a long way, Derek Jeter may be still the most recognizable so, baseball player. So we did it. I went around this hotel that we're currently in, the Renaissance Marriott on 35th Street, and I asked them, it was about a year ago, uh, name, who you, name, name the face of baseball in your mind. Name, name a player of baseball. And I asked sports fans, I asked non-sports fans, the most common two answers I received, Derek Jeter, and Alex Rodriguez. Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez haven't played baseball in years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have guessed Derek Jeter. Right, and you, and you think, just think about it on the surface, right? The most, name the most popular athletes in America today. You'll name LeBron James. You'll name Odell Beckham. You'll name Serena Williams. You'll name Tiger Woods. You you know, you, baseball players, not anywhere close to you this. Couldn't, you couldn't name, unless you're, 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 you're playing, and it's, 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 it's funny. So my dad, who was in media, Way back, he used to produce the Met pre and post game show when it was on a small radio station called WJRZ in 1969. My dad told me that radio made baseball. Right. Okay. People like Mel Allen, you know, in, in, in sure. you know, who could paint a, a story, Red Barber, and then I guess that carried up to Vince Scully mm-hmm. and, and, and Bobby uh, Uecker and sure. who could tell a story. You know, even the Mets announcers, original announcers. And he said that television, football was the perfect television game, okay? Because it had the breaks in the action, you know, and, and we all, you know, people historically talk about the Giants-Colts, you know, game yep. being, being, being the start of, of, of television on football. I will tell you that the internet, just as you said, is making basketball. A lot of things go into it. You can see the players. You can see their personalities. I also think that Stern and followed by Adam Silver have done – magnificent jobs by letting them become people. And we've watched the maturity of, of LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James, I mean, watching him essentially debate Donald Trump sure. and, and Don Lemon, I mean, he was the mature adult. He was the one you wanted to be president. And your politics are what they are, but you, you just think about the time that we're in. You keep saying we're in 2018, right? And you go back 25 years ago when there's a massive partisan divide in the country, what's Michael Jordan say, right? Republicans buy shoes too. LeBron James is debating the president of the United States. That is how far we come. And, he gets and, it. And putting money into education. Absolutely. And you know what I loved about it more than anything else is the understanding 
of whence he came that he understands that he wanted right. to give everybody a bicycle, okay? A bicycle so that they could see the world. Pretty much what he was saying is that by being able to see the world, he could see positive things in other people. I mean, I, I thought that was a great leadership move. I mean, there are people that give philanthropy for philanthropy's sake and stuff like that. I, I think he's really, you know, showing leadership, similar to the way Bill Gates said, you know, the best thing to do to solve the, the, the prob- some of the problems in the world is to give everybody a computer and literacy and, and stuff and, like that. And that's not if this year. If you give somebody... You know, if you give somebody money, you don't get as much as if you give them a job and give them meaning. Absolutely. And if you give them an education. And I, and, 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 and I think that, you know, that's what you're seeing. And, and I think, you know, that resonates across, across, across the board. And in, in Major League Baseball, I mean, I don't know who the face of baseball is, is going to be. Well, the problem is for them, the, the best player in baseball is Mike Trout, and, and he doesn't want it. You know, he, do, he does not want to go out there and, and do his thing, and Bryce Harper might. And the problem is when Bryce Harper does the stuff that will hit digitally, that the NBA players do, dress, dress in a funny way, make a funny comment, right? Like make, making baseball fun again, the bat flip, stuff like that. He gets criticized for it. The traditionalists, the people that listened to baseball on the radio 50 years ago, how dare you do this? And it, it can't make the mark it needs to. The, the, you know, you know and, and then, and, and that's, well, so baseball suffers from another thing, which is they're probably strongest fans, besides the kids that play, are probably older than me. Correct. Okay? Absolutely. So you have an older thing. And, you know, th- what, one of the things that, you know, the insights that I get is from, you know, when I, when I started surgery, you know, we used to keep people in the hospital forever. Now we're taking out, you know, doing gastrectomies and we send them home the next day. We'd keep people without food. You know, the world changes and it's changing faster than ever before. With all the digital stuff, change happens faster. And you listen to, you listen to classic baseball people on other networks and they, when um, Acuna, the great young player on the Braves, hits several home runs, and the next sure. day he gets drilled, and they're saying, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Bob Gibson would have knocked him down, and Don Drysdale would have taken his head off. Really? Okay. We're talking about concussions right now. And, you know, baseball's got to change. It's got to get into, you know, the modern times. You, just because somebody hits the ball out of the ballpark, you can't throw a missile out there. Okay, excuse me, their buttock, and, and essentially miss it. By, by, by six inches. And, you know, all these guys assume that we're all better than we are. And, 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 and people can miss by millimeters. They can miss by inches, you know, and walks in, strikeouts are up, so they, they miss a lot. So I, I think that it's time that we stop saying, well, Bob Gibson would have knocked somebody down. Sure, and I think the millennials and people closer to my age, I don't, I don't care what Bob Gibson would have done, in all honesty. I don't care what Don Drysdale would have done. I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me. And I love baseball. I, I will sit and watch baseball every single night. That's me. Your but local team, or can you watch a national game? Because of fantasy baseball and daily fantasy baseball, I can watch anything. I love baseball. But taking everything out of it, I'm much more likely to watch a Browns-Ravens game than I am a Brewers-Indians game, for instance. The real problem is, and the crux of the issue, and I don't know if you'll agree, baseball's boring. It's Boring. Yeah, would you take two people from Europe to see a baseball game? They'd look at you like you're nuts. Right. Uh, here's a perfect example. Now, my girlfriend grew up. Will right. soccer grow here? Will, will football grow here? Football? Will that, I mean, will that grow here? I think it can. I think because the youth is very into it. I think you need a superstar. And when that superstar turns the national team into superstars, it can grow here. I think the answer is see, that. I, yes. I think, I think that to some extent I agree with that, but I think there's something else about that. Okay. You know, there's nothing that makes this city jump like if the Knicks are good across the street. Absolutely. Okay? Totally agree. New York is an event city. Okay? We, and I can speak as, as a New Yorker, or, and sure. I think even as, as an American, we want to see the NBA. Okay? If we thought the NBA was the Lithuanian Basketball League and a Tier 2 league, we wouldn't support it. Now, we like nostalgia. We'll go see a minor league game, but we know it's minor league, and we'll do it once so that we can have how Bull Durham Field of Dreams sure. experience. 
But we want we you know we believe we don't believe that the Japan League is the best baseball league in the world. And the first time that happened, Major League Baseball would be completely dead. Okay, we believe the NBA is the best basketball league in the world. Okay. We believe that the NHL is the best basketball league in the world. And we believe that the MLS is a tier three league. It's not the Premier League. It's not La Liga. It's not the German League. Okay. If New York Football Club can compete against a Premier Club, we'd be all there if I it agree. was an event. I agree with that. And again, I think it takes a super, like a massive superstar, David Beckham, but our own. At a, at a young age. And they have to be willing to... You see, you see the MLS is set up to not right. pay them. Correct. They have okay. to be willing to stay in play. Yeah, you have to be willing right. to pay for the talent. You know, the MLS was designed not to fail. It wasn't necessarily designed to win. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But going back, just, just wrapping up the baseball point for a second. My fiance happens to love baseball. She's not the best example of this, but I'll say this. When you go to a basketball game, right, you sit there, and you know inherently it's about a two-hour game. Give or take, obviously. Baseball, you're, you're, you're there for at least three hours. But in basketball, you sit down, you start the game. Fine, you, a couple minutes go by. Time out. Cheerleaders come and they dance, they do their thing, whatever. End of the first quarter, you go out, I'm going to get some food. You walk around the stadium, the, you're the arena, you get some good food. Awesome. Come back, it's now halftime. Halftime entertainment, great. Third quarter comes, oh, there's, there's the, the T-shirt gun. We're going to shoot some T-shirts in. Fourth quarter, bam, close game. Game's over. Attention span is like, wow, that was awesome. You don't get that in baseball. Well, you know, and this is really the interesting thing. On the other hand, there is nothing more riveting than when you actually get it, which is that great baseball game, sure. which is what you and I keep on going back. Absolutely. The last great baseball game, because I'm a Met fan, I grew up with the Last great baseball game was a very disappointing game, but the Syndergaard and Madison Bumgarner sure. playoff game. If you if you you sat there riveted on every pitch, you knew that every pitch could end it. You know, some of the World Series got that way last year. I, well, I think the, to me as a Yankee fan, I mean, those Yankees Indian games last year were, were the like same that. way. Every pitch you're and, like and, this, and, and and that's the scary thing about the sure. clock. That's what makes it so special. Right. The problem is, is you got to run three marathons to get there. It's exhausting. <laughs> you got to run, you know, so, so that's really the issue. And I don't really know how you solve that problem because the greatness of that is the tension. The greatness of that is that it could end, it can go all night or it can end in one pitch. It's so scary. And, and if you put a clock on it, you end that. And, and you know, the question is, is, is all the prodrome worth that final conclusion because when you get it, okay, when you get it, it's the most memorable thing in sports. I still remember the 1969 Mets. Sure. You know, my, my dad insisted on taking me. My mom wanted me not to miss, I think, third or fourth grade, and Cleon Jones catching the ball, okay? And, and when you get it, it's awesome. It's just so hard to get. It is so awesome. Just like this last hour has been, it's been a blast. We've, we've gone everywhere. Uh, Dr. Mitch, this was a complete blast. This was Doc Jock here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Doc, any, any final thoughts? Um, th- thank you for, for, for everybody watching, and we look forward. And, you know, please be, feel free to send any of the issues that you want us to discuss, whether medical or anything else, and we look forward to seeing you next week on Doc Jock. Absolutely. There you go. For Dr. Mitch Roslin, my name is Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for watching and listening and checking out the debut edition of Doc Jock. We'll be back next week. Uh, we really appreciate your time, your support, your love. As Doc said, send in, uh, send in your thoughts, what you want the doc to talk about. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for watching. Bye-bye.